This is the Kamloops Insider with Parker Bennett. Welcome to the podcast, kids. Thanks for having us today. Yeah, thanks for being on time, Bernard. I appreciate that. Um, We're going to start a little different than we normally do. Um, I do want to bring in some stats. I want to talk about some things that have happened locally in Kamloops. I also want to talk about something unique that we're doing on a podcast. We're going to eat some wild meat today. And I know that you guys are pretty excited about uh, dunking into some roadkill. I am. (laughs) It's not roadkill. I promise you I wouldn't bring roadkill. What do we have here, Parker? We got uh, some uh, wapiti. Wapiti. What's that? It's a Latin word for elk. Oh. Mm. And uh, that's the Rocky Mountain elk. Okay. The Great North British Columbia. And we have, what do we have over here? We have... uh, some deer sausage from. Don't you have the Latin word for us? <laughs> no, I don't have that. <laughs> Let me go that real quick. <laughs> we got uh, mule deer. And then we got some cheese. Bernard brought some cheese for our wine. Ja- uh, Monterey Jack. Mm. Some crackers. We're going to fatten you guys up. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Podcast Thanks. Some time for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you guys hear about the fire last night? Absolutely. Big fire in uh, Kamloops. The so sad. Park Crest Elementary School burnt. Like to a crisp, I think it's like completely written off. Yeah. 100%. So tragic. Yeah. Did you ever teach there? No, you were high school. I was high school, so I didn't teach there. You never taught there. But I just think like all the things that are totally irreplaceable that they lost, right? All the pictures of all through all the years, all the trophies with all the names and the plaques and all that stuff, right? Like, like the memorabilia. Yeah. Right. So sad. Does anyone know how old that school was? No. Good question. It was probably really old. Yeah, yeah, I would think so, right? Hmm. Just old. Yeah. You know when you walk into a school and you go down the hallway and there's just like class of whatever, right? Like yeah, it would be all those, those pictures, pictures from yeah, 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 and and like some of the teachers who have been there for years and years and years in their own classrooms that have saved all their stuff, they put it up on the wall, like old school posters or right. whatever it is, supplies that they've brought in, um, all the books and everything, like the library, right. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, and they don't know what what caused the fire yet, mm. Mm. yeah. So, any uh, any thoughts to that old? Should we, should we make a wager on what we think it is? I don't know. I'm thinking arson. You think? I don't know why. It was just my first thought. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. When you think about school, you think about uh, like disgruntled kids going back yeah. to school. Mm-hmm. Let's burn this sucker. Yeah. yeah, we don't want to go back. Let's go back to, yeah. Go yeah. Back to summer holidays. Yeah. Sevens. But usually isn't it just pulling the fire alarm so you at least get out for the day? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it always like whenever I go into an old school... Like my kids go to, or my kids, my youngest goes to Dallas Elementary and your kids go to, Philip's kids go to Dallas Elementary. Yep. Um, like the floor, I can always tell that the floor is shifted. I'm always very aware of how old the building is mechanically. Yeah. yeah. This thing would never sell. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> <laughs> this would fail inspection for sure. So think about the electrical wiring, you know, like the, the aggressive yes. use yeah. that it gets, plugs, that pl- you know, things getting plugged in and plugged out all the time. Yeah. And just general wear and tear. Yeah. I bet you it was an electrical fire. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Hmm. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just throwing We're it just guessing. Yeah. Guesstimates. Um, do you want to talk about your solution, though? Because I think that was brilliant. Well, Ooh. I don't want to volunteer for the company who has a whole lot of, like, portable offices on standby in Kamloops that would be 
like a really good option for kids to go into short term anyways. Yeah. But Horizon North has a pile of mobile portables ready to go. I they think could tax right off. Field while they're reconstructing the school. Yeah, like get them out there. Brilliant. I also see the problems with that though. Yeah. Power, going to need a, yeah. a power source. They're going to have to run. I mean, I guess that's small potatoes in the consideration of 380 kids, I think it was. 380 kids out of school. Porta potties. Yeah. Not so great in the winter. Generators. Generators. Yeah, porta potties. Never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Or some. So many logistics, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what are the alternatives? Well, I don't know. Like, do they go into other schools? Do they get split up? Do they, like. There's a number I don't know. of private schools in Kamloops. Yeah. I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, I know most of them have no capacity left for, like, available capacity. Right. But there is one school that's an elementary school downtown that is actively trying to grow its uh, student body. I bet you they get a few enrolls in the next few yeah. weeks. Well, and old, old schools that aren't being used, right? Ralph like, Bell. So, yeah. Ralph Bell could right. be. Yep. But it's being, it's leased it's, out, though. Yeah, the daycare, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two daycares in there. Yeah. Yeah. One that might even be for sale. <clears throat> really? So my yeah. friends bought a... Uh, might be. An elementary school and converted it into a triplex, and then all their kids could go play in the gym. Really? Yeah, it's Bridge Lake Elementary. Really? Yeah. Wow. Mm. There was a school for sale in uh, Clearwater recently, an, an old elementary school. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing with buying a, an old structure like that, asbestos, lots yes, of it. yeah. It's what I was thinking about when I was watching the video last <clears> night <throat> of the smoke and all the people crowded around the school breathing in. Yes. Asbestos on fire. It's probably not a really good thing to be breathing in. Yeah. That's the home inspector in you. That's the home inspector in me. Yeah. yeah. It's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. <laughs> a school's on fire? I didn't even realize that. But you guys need to back away. You're breathing in some really bad stuff yeah. right now. What about a church? What about churches in town? Yeah. It's just the logistics of it is so, on such a large scale. Yeah. I was wondering what the teachers were doing this morning. Celebrating. <laughs> no, man, that like their rooms. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's so tragic. Tra- yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I would think that the teachers would want to go to other schools and help out for the day. No, it's just me thinking. I, but you know what? Maybe they're all in debriefing and trying to figure out some solutions, like right. Right? panic mode. Totally. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we'll keep you informed on this. Here's a little tidbit though for you. Uh, a while back on episode 32, maybe-ish, we had um, a gallon. We talked about the outdoor school in Chase. Were you here for that one? Yes. First with Steph. Yeah. yeah. Steph, Steph Stump. Yeah. Stephanie Stump. Yeah. So there's been an update to that just recently. A couple days ago, um, Stephanie called me and let me know that they're doing a feasible study that's going to take them to December, and they're going to have another vote in December to see if it's going through. Oh. So mm. it, they're moved on from the idea phase through the discussion phase, now into an actual um, in-depth feasibility study. Yeah. So one step closer to an outdoor school in Chase. Wow. Well, maybe that's an option for Parkcrest. Be an outdoor school for the rest of the... Outdoor school. gets too cold. Okay, kids, put some coveralls on. First thing we're going to teach you today is how to clean up fire. (laughs) (laughs) Some shovels, some brooms. How to start a fire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's get some comments on that from some of the teachers. As to right. what, what they think? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. I'm sure there's going to be some information updates by, you know, early next week. Mm, yep. 
Yeah, they're saying kids should be planning on having auxiliary care for the next two weeks. Yeah. Right. Bernard, you could uh, do some teaching. Some drama teaching. Yeah. (laughs) I'm an online teacher and I'll leave the house. (laughs) This is a treat for me to come down here. (laughs) (laughs) And and like, so another interesting thing that happened, we talked about earlier today, was the, the goat. That there was a wicked lightning storm on the weekend. Yeah. That yeah. was crazy. Gus. Tuesday. Gus. Was it Gus? It was Gus. Gus. Ah, Poor Gus. Two, what do we got up there? How old was he? Uh, they brought him in, adopted him in 2018. So he was still just a, so a young So a goat lad. got struck by lightning at the wildlife park. Yeah, fatally. That's crazy, hey? That's how close that lightning That's, was. Yeah. It was really close. Yeah. You know what's interesting is that the wildlife park is actually in a bowl, and there's like high mountain range around it. All around it, yeah. Mm-hmm. You always think that if you're down low, you're you're safe, but but the goats are but up on the a, hill. It's their mountain goat. I know, he was probably on the top of the hill. Their hill is just like ten feet off the ground. It, it's not very high. Poor little guy. I have guy. in-depth knowledge of that. Yeah. <laughs> <of that> <laughs> as, yep. as we discussed sage. earlier, like twenty years ago, well, it wasn't sage. I had a. A golden retriever lab cross. Oh. And after hours, she snuck into the wildlife park while we were on a hike around the perimeter of it and chased the goats up onto a <laughs> rock cliff and was literally in that pen. I don't think that pen is the same as it used to be. Like, Probably I don't think not. That could happen today. You can no longer crawl under the fence you no with crawl your dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chase the goats. So, yeah, that was interesting. Um, Bernard Mel's with us today. We're going to talk about some some new incentives that the federal government has put in place. First time home buyers incentive. Yeah, that's going to be yeah. good for real estate. I hope, right? If it's utilized. Anyways, we're going to talk about that. Um, before we get into that, let's just chat about what stats look like for August. Okay. Can got, I do that? Yeah, do it. Like, All right. I don't have it in front of me. Um, so, well, interesting. The median residential price is 510000 for this August. That's compared insane. to last August, um, 467 So that's up. Um, 497 Was it 497 No, no, no. For month, last year. Month, that was year. Yeah. Year, year. Oh, okay. Yeah, last right. month, yeah. Last month was 497 497 Yeah. Last year in August was 4675 So that's up um, 9%. It's such a deceiving stat. It is, right? Why is it? Because I get this question a lot. Well, right? It, it's, it's, it's deceiving. It's a median. Because it's just a median number. It yes. doesn't mean... What's funny, it doesn't actually mean... I say I, I choose this when I feel like it. That's what it is. The, your, your house price hasn't gone up that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same token, when we look back 15, 20 years... We use the median number to assess how much increase in value your residential home is. Right. So it's just a little deceiving in that I think you take the year average for median house price as a better number. Yeah. Than bouncing around because we were four ninety seven five last month, mm-hmm. and we jumped up what twelve thousand, twelve thousand five hundred bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If that was the case, homeowners would be. Yeah, they'd be pretty happy. Great. Yeah, the average home would be worth twelve grand more. Yeah, that's, that's not, the, not case. the case at all. Two point five percent. No, no. Yeah. So, but it is an interesting stat, and then we don't have a whole lot of like ways to really calculate growth in our housing industry. So that's that's what we use. That's what we got. But then, but then, if you look at the residential um, units that are sold, so there, it's actually down nearly ten percent from right. last August. Right. So to me, that's an interesting stat, right? 
There's no question about that stat. That yeah, is for it's a f- yeah, yeah, for sure. Sales are going down. Number um, of sales down. The mm-hmm. number of sales. And yeah. more listings in the... in the. You've been bugging for like the last two years. We need more listings. We need more listings. Now we got more listings and now it's, it's cooled off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Houses are still selling. They are. So what does so, that mean? Yeah. Number of sales down, but median price up. It just means that that the 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 number of houses that are selling on the on the bell curve is like a little higher, a little yeah. higher price properties. So mm-hmm. six hundred plus. But if you really want to break that down, there's nothing for sale under three hundred. There's only one townhouse, you know, in a subdivision that there used to be seven townhouses for sale at three hundred and fifteen thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. So it's the inventory that we have, the low end inventory is sold out. And mm-hmm. it moves mighty fast. So therefore, if there's no available product in that lower end market, then the stuff that is selling is going to be just in a higher priced category. That's right. If we had more, I mean, we have lots of listings, but we don't have listings in that apartment, condo, yeah. you so, know, kind yeah. of market. is not as many as we yeah. would like to see. Right. So yeah. essentially, it's way more competitive for first time buyers in the lower price point. It really is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, at a $650,000 house, you're probably not into a multiple offer situation. But if, uh, you know, a two bedroom condo comes up in Sahali, you might be. That's right. Or even seven offers. I think we had a mutual client, right? Or seven or eight multiple offers. Um, yeah. Recently too. Yeah. Yeah. There condo in Sahali. Mm. Condo in Sahali. Got mm. one for sale? I don't right now. Need to get one. If you got one. In the pocketbook, um, now's the time to put it out. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, what, does it say the average days in the market right now? Yeah. Um, this month, 38. 38. Yeah. And last month, we were pretty 30, much 37. 37. Yeah. yeah. This time last year? 31. So it's creeping up a bit. Tiny bit. Wee bit. Yep. I feel like that stat is a bit deceiving as well. Um, I know we were like... In, if you break the markets down specifically mm-hmm. and you pull, let's say, South Shore single family dwellings between 500,000 and 700, it's more like 55 days. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. So if you're listing a dollars $650,000 house, you know, on the South Shore and you're looking at that stat, you're expecting it to go in a month. No. It's going to take a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. Probably 45 days. Yeah, 45. Something like that. Maybe more. Yeah. But it's good to sit down with people and actually explain that, right? Because they just see those stats and they have, you know, a, a skewed perception of what that means for them and their their properties. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And you could talk all day on a podcast and no one's really going to pick it up until you're listing your house. Yes. And the data is now super important to you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I've had clients where the property is listed and then they'll uh, message me or phone me and be like, well, uh, shouldn't we be listing it higher because the median price is now like up 5%. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Right? So if that were the case, if you look at the stats from from August 2019, August 2018, um, if you were just following that along and just not really paying much attention to any other stat, you'd expect to make 50 grand on your house. Yeah. From last summer. From last summer. That's not the case. Yeah. But I guarantee you, you made something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're a first-time home buyer and you're moving into the market and <clears> it's <throat> very competitive to buy a, a single-family detached home or, or a townhouse for that matter because there's mm-hmm. not much of them for sale, apartments, condos, 
what did uh, what's the government going to do for us, Bernard? Tell us about this new incentive. So, first, I'll do like a little bit of a clarification here because there's lots of different first-time home buyers programs floating around, right? Right. FTHB means first-time home buyer. Anyway, so. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm a, I'm a we're, we're live. I'm a it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to answer that? <laughs> so, so first time homebuyer. Yeah. So really, there's three different programs that are kind of floating around out there. There's the home buyers plan. That's basically you put your RSP or you put money into your RSPs. You get a ta- income tax refund. You leave it in there for at least ninety days, and then you can pull out up to at least $35,000 to put onto your first home. And normally when you pull money out of your RSP, you have to pay income tax on it. But when you use it for your first home, uh, you don't have to. You just have to slowly put it back into your RSP over 15 years. So that's the first one. RSP contribution, use your RSP as your down payment. Uh, The second one is you are exempt from property transfer tax up to homes, up to 500000 Right, there's a cap on that. There's yeah. a cap. And there's a small exemption if you go up to like five hundred and twenty-five. But for the most part, 500000 is kind of that magic number where you're exempt from the whole property transfer tax. Basically in BC, BC just stands for bring cash. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, you I thought pay, it was a beautiful country. Beautiful country. <laughs> and therefore you have to bring cash to pay for it. So anyway, that... Tax is 1% on the first 200000 and 2% on the remaining portion. So normally when you buy a $500,000 home, you have an $8,000 transfer tax. Right. So you're exempt from that the first time you buy, or if you buy a brand new home up to $750,000, you're always exempt from that even if you're a repeat buyer when you're buying brand new product. Right. However, you're paying GST. The good thing about GST is you can roll it into your mortgage, where property transfer tax, you uh, have to pay for that up front, out of pocket. Mm. Yep, out of pocket, out cash. So, yeah, so we got RSPs to save you on income taxes. We got an incentive here for saving on property transfer tax. And so this new incentive is essentially just to help you with your down payment. Um, So... What's it, what's it called? What's the actual legit title of this incentive? It's called the First Time Home Buyer Incentive, FTHBI, if uh, you have an acronym for it. <laughs> we'll make one up later yeah. on. Yeah, There's an acronym for everything these yeah. days. So essentially what it is is that you have to have the minimum down payment, which is 5%, yep. and the government will give you a no-interest loan that gets registered as a second mortgage to match your 5% down payment, or they'll go to 10%, I believe, if you're going on to a brand new home. New home, yeah. So an existing used home, they'll match you up to 5%, or they'll match your your 5%, so you have to have the minimum in hand already anyways. And then if you're going into brand new, if you have 10% down, they'll give you another 10%. And it's a shared equity program. Okay, so let's talk about the shared equity. For simplicity, um, you're buying a house for 100000 bucks, right? That's right. Maybe in Detroit. 
I was going to say where. Yeah. But let's just say for argument's sake, it's $100,000. Uh, you're going to put $5,000 as your down payment. That's right. The government's going to put, they're going to match that to a $5,000 registered as a second mortgage. That's right. A financial charge on title. And then in three years, because you took a three-year term, whatever, um, you go to uh, sell your house and you, let's say it doubles in price. Right? Double up. Double up. So if it doubles up, you're going to pay the government back ten grand, right? You're going to match their equity. Five, yeah, exactly. So five percent of the of the sale price of two hundred thousand is now ten thousand. Yeah. So they gave you five grand, and now you're going to give them back ten. Right. However, you did have a hundred thousand dollar tax free capital gain. Right. Um. So, you know, it's it's. It's good. I wonder where they come up with these ideas. <clears throat> like they sit a, around the table and like they here's figure an idea that's that'll help a little bit. They do podcasts yeah. like us. <laughs> they must. That's right. Okay. I think the allure is a little bit less payment. A little bit mortgage slightly payment. less payment. Like I could run that. I could run that scenario here into the government calculator. Um, let's see here. Let me find the calculator here. Yeah, like while you're doing that, <clears throat> I can see where if you were on the crutch of being qualified for a mortgage and you just needed a little bit bigger down payment and in order to get your payment structure to where you could debt service that, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where that's going to come that's into play. That's where it'll be handy, yeah. Which is interesting because it sort of offsets the fact minutely for first-time homebuyers that, that you have to qualify at a higher rate. Right, the B twenty. Right, still have the B twenty in play. Mm-hmm. Right, that's right. You're qualifying as if you were paying five point one nine percent, although in reality you might be paying two point six nine percent. Right. For the most part, it's like you're qualifying to pay two percent more than what you're actually paying. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the rate right now. What is the rate? What's a five year fixed rate? Uh, about yeah, probably two point six nine. If you have good credit, good income. And your own down payment. I refinanced right before that came in. I think you still got a good deal. (laughs) 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 I think you had a good mortgage broker working for you. (laughs) You know, um, the thing, though, is when you do a refinance, it's actually the rates are more expensive than it is if you have less than 20% down and you're doing a purchase. Because when you have less than 20% down and you're doing a purchase, your mortgage is essentially wrapped in a CMHC mortgage default insurance wrapper. Right. So the bank has like a little more security that the government will back them up if they have to foreclose on that. But when you're refinancing, there's no insurance wrapper on your mortgage. Therefore, it's slightly more risky. Therefore, the bank has to price it a little bit higher than if you're, you know, mm. it's kind of backwards. I don't know why. I, I don't think it's risky because, you know, at that point, you should have some equity built in there. Exactly. Yeah. You'll have 20% right. equity, whereas... Right. That first-time buyer may only have five percent, right. and then the CMHC premium eats up a bunch of their equity. Right. But um, yeah, it was when all those B twenty rules came in. It, basically, it was saying before you'd have twenty percent equity, and the bank would pay for their own mortgage default insurance. But then the government was like, "No, we don't want to be involved in that if you're refinancing." So it's it wasn't available, and so now it's like, "Okay, well, we'll we have to have this mortgage on our books," right. and so without any insurance. What if you're refinancing and you still don't have 
20% down. Uh, you have to have 20% down or 20% equity inside your house if you refinance. Unless oh, like if you're pulling money out. That's right. Or, yeah, you could just transfer your mortgage to another lender if you don't have 20% equity. But if you're redoing the loan and you're pulling money out, yeah, then course. you have to have 20% you equity. equity in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an exception to that rule. If you go to a private lender, you can pull out more than 20%, but then you're paying fees and you're paying way higher rates as well. What, what's the rate for private lending? Yeah, what's a, what's a rate? Give us a rate. Uh, there's no rule. It, no, there's not. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. We'll CMHC. That's right. You can. So, you what's know, an average through. rate? So, it all depends on location. Because if you're an, an investor and you have a bunch of cash and you're like, oh, I want to lend this out privately, yeah. it's all based on you have to think if I have to take that property back and if I have to sell it in foreclosure, how easy would it be for me to sell it? You know, if I took a detached home in Kamloops, it might take me 38 days. So, if that was the case, you might say, okay, 8%. But then as you get further out of town, you might say, okay, well, if I'm in Barrier, I want to charge 10% because it's a little slower market, a little more yeah, risk, right? Right. Uh, and then if you're like, say you have, uh, you leave bank, is a bank is in first position and you're putting a loan behind that bank, that's called a second position mortgage. And so you might be paying, you might be charging 12% because when that house sells, the bank gets paid first, first, yeah, first right. position, yeah. and then your second position loan gets it's paid a little second. more risky. So you're more risky, yeah. to uh, susceptible to losses. So then, therefore, you price. So higher. let's let, let's say you got a you have a bad uh, you have a bad FICO score. Yeah. Okay. Or you don't necessarily have a real good history of making your payments, or you've had something a hiccup along the way, right? Maybe a death in the family, something that slowed you down for a little while, and you want to buy a house. And you don't get qualified through conventional lenders. And they come to you, and the house seems to be a pretty legit in-town, good property, like A-type property, and it's priced right. What's the rate? Give us an idea. Yeah, I'd say Is 8, it, 8%, and you're usually looking at like a 3% upfront fee, right? 3% of the total mortgage? Yeah, generally the total And mortgage, what's yeah. the term? Uh, usually you do one-year One term. year? Because one or two years, it's really short term. Hmm. Because the idea is you want to give the person time to get their credit in order. Right. Which sometimes can take two years. If you've like had a consumer proposal or something like that, it might take three to seven years. Um, yeah, so essentially you want to you line up your end date on your private loan to be, okay, this person has cleaned up their credit. Now they can refinance again, go back to an A bank and pay you back your money. And you've made your money right. in interest payments all the way through, so you're happy. Right. It's a win-win. Yeah. Ideally, does, right? does the private lender typically write in the default strategy if you can't get approved in a year's time? Uh, they'll just renew, they may renew you for another year, another two years, and there may be like a renewal fee on there, like a right. thousand bucks or something like that. Right? Really? Yeah. It's like, okay, I'll keep lending you my money at 8% yeah. or 10% or 12%. But you're going to pay me a thousand bucks if I keep my money sitting with right. you. Right? With you, yeah. Yeah. Hey, so I was able. I did this calculation here. So, okay. Say in that scenario, hundred thousand dollar home. You put five grand down. The government gives you five grand. Uh, the allure of the program, the way the government spins it, is, you know, you're saving twenty seven dollars and fifty four cents per month, right, on that home. And I'd say the second allure of it... Hold on, can I stop you right yeah. there? 
the money that I'm saving, the 27 bucks, yeah. am I saving CMHC fee as well? That's right. That was actually my next point. Oh, so I jumped you. You're so, on it. <laughs> yeah, see. So say you, in a tip, if you only put 5% down on that home, yep. you pay a 4% CMHC fee. So your CMHC fee is, would have been $3,800. But because you took that government incentive and they put up another 5% for you, yep. your CMHC fee is $2,790. So essentially, you're saving 1000 bucks on your CMHC fee. Right, over the term. Over, that's right. And that's a one-time thing. So, you know, you save 1000 bucks. And then at the end, let's say you've doubled up in value, yep. and then you sell and you pay the government five grand. Well, was that worth the thousand dollar upfront savings? Who? And that's where the thing is: is who knows? We don't know if the market's going to go up or down. We don't have the crystal ball of that shared equity because the government's going to share in your losses, but they're also going to share in your. Well, they're going to share your losses too. That's right. That's mighty white that's of them. Nice, yeah. <laughs> right? So if your house goes down in value and you refinance. Is it refinance or only on sale? Uh, you probably wouldn't be able to refinance with the second mortgage unless you put money, you've paid it down aggressively and right. you had twenty percent equity in there. Right. But yeah, it's just say, you know, so a hundred thousand. Um, your mortgage is going to be ninety two thousand seven hundred and ninety dollars with the government uh, incentive. Right. And say your house goes down in value by five grand. Now you're you're worth. 95 grand instead of 100. Um, yeah, now you only owe the government, you'd only owe them 4,750 instead of the five grand that they originally gave you, right? So they're just like a legit investor. Yeah. yeah. They're taking an investment role. So if you have the ability to put 10% down, do we still get another 5%? Uh, only on brand new homes. So if I, the incentives here right. are. New construction can be 5% incentive or a 10% incentive. An existing home is a 5% incentive. And then a new or resale mobile or manufactured home is a 5% incentive. Okay, no, but let me set this up differently. So the house is $100,000. Yeah. I'm a first-time home buyer. Yeah. And I got eighteen grand okay. to put down. Can I still get 5% from the government to push me over the 20% and I don't have to pay any CMHC at all? Uh, the program makes you have to pay CMHC. So mm-hmm. even though you have 20% down, there's still a tier bracket for CMHC from 20, 25, 30, and 35%. Right. So there would still be CMHC. Just low. Yeah. Like So for example, all mobile homes that you purchase in a park have to have CMHC, even if you have 20% down. Right. Uh, and so I'll... Let me pull up that grid Which here. Which is kind of quick. ironic because they never seem to approve those mortgages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? And see, that's another tricky thing too is, okay, so when you're refinancing a mobile home in a park, there's no longer CMHC available on a refinance. Right. So when you're refinancing a mobile in a park, you get pushed essentially to a private lender. Because, oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because because the, the truth of the matter is, is it's a depreciating asset. Yeah, yeah, which is going down in value. Right. And there's no way to to usually get over that twenty percent hump. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, it's just um, yeah. What if you had thirty five percent equity in that property? Could you then refi it? You could refi, but I th- I think that's how it works. Is 
when you're buying it, you have to have CMHC if it's in a park, and you can't refinance, so you like you can't right. put a new bank loan on it. You have to do a private loan on it if you're refinancing a mobile in a park. Right. So here's the tier brackets, right? 5% down, you pay 4% CMHC. 10% down, you pay 3.1% CMHC. 15% down, 2.8%. 20% down is a 2.4% CMHC in the case that you would be required to be have required. If you Say, for example, you were using this program and you still needed CMHC. And then the same thing, 25% down, 1.7%. 35% down, 0.6% CMHC. Do we, you know, without looking at any stats, do you know what the foreclosure rate is in Canada? Uh, Roughly? It's very low. We have a very conservative lending environment. Um, yeah, like... So damn strict. You know, we're only using like 39% of your income in your household expenses and right. stuff like that. And like, yeah, the fact that you have to have 5% down, where I think in the States, I think you can still buy houses with 0% down. Jeez. Yeah, just sign here. Yeah. 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 So I have questions. Yeah. Um, a first-time buyer, I guess that would be considered some for the first time getting a mortgage, right? So if, I, if someone previously bought a house and they paid it right out without having a mortgage, can we qualify for... For this, so technically no, because you're no longer a first-time buyer. Um, what if it's different province? I think it's anywhere in the world. First-time buyer incentive. Well, so for this particular, for this particular incentive, determine your eligibility. So it's like, have you, you have never purchased a home before. Uh, you've recently experienced a breakdown of a marriage or a common law partnership. And then thirdly, in the last four years, you did not occupy a home that you uh, or, wow, there's a spelling error on the government website, that mm. you or your current spouse or common law partner owned. So yeah, in the last four years, you did not occupy a home that you or your, com- your current spouse or common law partner owned. And you'd have to check every one of those boxes to qualify. Uh, if you meet one of the following qualifications. What if you meet two out of the three? Then, yeah, then, then, uh, then, then I guess you're good. So I guess that's another example for the, for the home buyer's plan, the one with your registered retirement savings. Um, let's say that you pull out your RSPs, use it as a down payment, you sell that house, and then you don't live in any house that you've owned for four years you can now use that RSP incentive again. Uh, and then I guess that's the same thing with this plan here. Um, in the last four years, you did not occupy a home that you or your current spouse or common law partner owned. So you can essentially reuse this again. Right. If you haven't lived but and owned But you're still stuck paying property transfer tax because on that that's one right. there, one of the qualifications is you've never owned a piece of property anywhere in the world. That's right. So if you own okay. like a hut in... Timbuktu... <laughs> Timbuktu is pretty local. I want to say like Tajikistan. <laughs> then you're who? You just made that up. Mm. No, that's so it's is. actually home based and not mortgage based. Just to clarify, Tajikistan is a real place. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sheep hunting. There. <laughs> that's how I know it. Of course, of course, I should have known. <laughs> yeah. So that on that first time on the property transfer tax exemption for first time buyers. 
there's a stipulation in here, have never received a first-time homebuyer's exemption or refund. So they, the BC government is pretty clear on that. You can only receive this one time, and it's if you've never owned an interest in a principal residence anywhere in the world at any time. Right. And I just learned that the hard way because I had some clients that had owned a piece of real estate as an investment. They never took advantage of the first-time homebuyer because you technically needed it to be your principal That's residence. That's right. And then they bought another property and got to use that that uh, first-time homeowner's grant for that property transfer tax, something I did not take advantage of going through the uh, the process. Oh, really? So you, the first place you bought... The first place I bought, investment. I walked into, well, it wasn't going to be. Oh. I was going to move in there, just never did. And it ended up being the people that were currently occupying it rented it to me or rented it from me. Ah. So, so then I, did you pay the transfer tax or did you live we'll, in it? We'll talk about that after the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a, there's I have a lot of moving parts to that. Yeah. So. <laughs> The government's going to get their tax one way or another, whether it's income tax, property transfer tax. Well, see, the government could have got, they, they, they won that deal. I could have got a way better deal because I ended up buying a single family detached home later at an astronomically ah. more amount of money that I paid tax on. That's right. So, so you paid your transfer tax on a lower, or got your exemption higher. on a lower amount yeah. when, if you would have done it the reverse and bought the more expensive property. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But that's usually the case with first time buyers, usually buying a less expensive property first. Yep. And then when you upgrade, so, you know, if you can buy a $500,000 house on your first go around, then you'll maximize your... Go big or go home. Yeah. Sure, exactly. <laughs> yeah, go big or go home. And then when you start cracking over 500 on the neck, then it's like, you don't you're making that enough money, who cares? Just write the check and move on with your life, right? Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, that was interesting, Bernard, and I hope that uh, that stimulates a little bit of uh, growth in our market. I really do. I do hope that that happens. I know that areas like Vancouver, Lower Mainland, Fraser Valley, that this is going to be a lot more effective tool for first-time homebuyers than it would be in our market, right? Would you say? Would you agree with that? Is that an agreeable statement? Well, um some more stipulations on this program is you can only buy a home that's four times your annual income. So like in addition to those, you know, you've never purchased a home. Interesting. So if you buy one of those massive homes that may have a couple non-conforming suites in it that are going to help you debt service that great big mortgage payment, but you're only making 75 a year. That's not going to work. Yeah, so like so for example, if you're making 75 a year under this program to get that 5% or 10% incentive if you go brand new. Yep. Um, you can only buy up to $300,000 huh. and use this program, right? Wow, that's so silly. That's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Huh. Well, yeah, four times your 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 household income. So is so, this going to do anything? Okay, so so then you've got you can have two incomes in a house, right? Yeah, but two incomes. I mean, still, yeah. I mean, your first-time home buyer. How many two incomes are you going to get to get to over two hundred grand? Well, so there and there's another restriction on it as well, right? Is the maximum household income you can have is one hundred and twenty grand, right? Right. So this this is like huh. this is a vague incentive. Yeah, it's like it's really they make it super restrictive. So it's just like it it helps a teeny bit, but not. 
and it, and it helps this many people right here. Yeah. In this, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's good so let, maybe let's do like the maximum scenario, right? Like let's say your household income between union spouse is 120 grand. So therefore, the max price you could get four times of that is 480. And let's say you've got 5% of that, which is 24 grand, which we've moved into your RSP, got the income tax savings, waited 90 days, now we're pulling it out. Cleared that car payment from your debt. <laughs> That's yeah. Right, right. Yeah, you didn't buy a new truck in the That's meantime. Right. You didn't, didn't buy, buy a new, new truck. truck, didn't buy a new snowmobile. <laughs> so. Or recreational vehicle, because sometimes you get like 40 year amortizations on those things. Yeah, so in that case, you put up your 24 grand, the government puts up their 24 grand. So not only do you save in the CMHC to get to the next tier, but also you're paying $132 per month less on your mortgage because you have 24 grand less mortgage, right? Right, right, yeah. yeah. Okay. So there you go. There you go. That's like what I call cutting the elk. <laughs> you're just di- you're staring at that waiting, hey? Yeah, let's cut, let's cut that the meat. Let's cut her up. <laughs> cut the cheese. Who cut the cheese? Parker so Bennett did. Tell me about your hunting life, uh, Bernard. Where did this great big deer come from? Well, uh, I'm testing you right yeah. now. I actually can't tell you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a secret location. Mystery Mountain. Yeah, it was on Mystery Mountain. And Mystery Mountain. It was a guided hunt by Parker Bennett himself. You've been taught well. Yeah. Mystery Mountain. Mystery Mountain. Okay, well, I think that pretty much wraps up the podcast. Um, hope you found that incredibly informative. Very much yes. so. Yeah. All right, well, Bernard... How do people get a hold of you if they want to take advantage of this opportunity? Uh, you can call the office at 250-682-8267. And my best email where somebody on my team will get back to you right away is info at bgifinancial.ca. BGI Financial. That's you. That's me. I'm the man behind the curtain over there. So, yeah. The man behind the curtain. <laughs> The man in the mirror. <laughs> what are you doing behind that curtain? <laughs> That's right. Oh, my goodness. Okay, cool. Thanks for joining us. Okay, bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>